Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Boston has lost five of the last seven playoff games at home. They've controlled since the beginning. Jalen Brown has it. Highsmith in front. Shot clock at three. Good crossover by Brown. Here it is. Fastball swung on and missed. He struck him out. He blew him away with 94 miles an hour. Sitting on 104 pitches right now. Sinker from sale down and in on that lefty. He was thrilled to become a pirate. Third strikeout for Brandon. Fought two outs now with a fewer. Really nice sweeping pitch on the outer half part of the plate. Hedges not able to make contact. 1-1 pitch. Right field. Judge heading back. He won't get this one. It's out of here. No, off the wall. Off the wall. Two runs have scored. Hayes stops at second. Judge looking out like maybe there was interference. But no matter what it is, two runs score as Austin Hayes takes one off the right field wall. 2-0 on Darno, And the pitch. Swung on. Hit through the left side. A base hit. Braves have the lead again. They're going to try to score Ozuna as well. He will slide home safely. And it's a two-run pinch single for Travis Darno and the Braves have a 7-5 lead. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Friday, May 26th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7, Celtics Heat. Does Boston win game six? The Red Sox, will they, uh, will they be an NL, uh, an AL, they're in the American League last I heard, an AL playoff team? Diamondbacks Red Sox, who wins the weekend series at Chase Field. The Orioles, are you now a believer? The Phillies, is there hope for a turnaround like last season? And what else caught your eye since our last show, which was all the way back on Wednesday? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, a Diamondbacks Red Sox series preview. Latest on the Red Sox from Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. 9.30 or be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That'll include a, a little more on the Red Sox and uh, Diamondbacks weekend series. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup. Top by the latest line. And a little from the scoreboard action. Uh, time pending. A little basketball from last night. A little baseball from last night. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kalo. That will include today an Indianapolis 500 preview. Vroom, vroom, zoom, zoom. However that's supposed to go. On to the pipeline we go.
time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as usual, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, will the Celtics win game six on Saturday night at Miami? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. I don't know if I should do this, Bob. Are the Celtics vrooming past the heat? Well, unless they have a race car. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, at least the mass is here. They believe uh, the Celtics will not win to the tune of no at 100% of the vote. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess they're going with historical reasons there. The Celtics, after last night's wire-to-wire domination, are halfway of becoming the first NBA team ever in 158 attempts to go from down 0-3 to win a seven-game series. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, kind of a Boston flavor to the show today. If I just knew somebody from Boston and listened to the show. Huh. Uh, well, the Red Sox being an American League playoff team are from New England. Maybe somebody listening. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Kayla, what do we have here with the Red Sox being the American League playoff team? Well, the masses have a theme right now. No, at 100% of the vote. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. They hate Boston. Okay, I pick up that. that if, yeah, two out of two. All right, Boston, twenty six and twenty four. One of the five. There's only five teams in the American League East. They're all above five hundred entering the weekend series against the Diamondbacks, who are uh, you know currently uh, you know, one of the better teams in the National League at this point. American League's much better than the National League, but we'll get to that in a second. Meanwhile, the 29 and 21 Diamondbacks have won two out of three games and won two out of three games in all three of their series on the nine-game road trip to Oakland, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. Tonight's pitching matchup scheduled to be Diamondbacks rookie Brandon Fott against Chris Sale, who has struck out eight or more hitters in three consecutive starts for the first time since 2017. Who wins the Diamondbacks-Red Sox weekend series? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Orioles are getting my attention. Baltimore, following a weekend sweep at Toronto, won two out of three games at Yankee Stadium. I'm a believer now, folks. I'm there. I know I still don't quite trust their pitching staff, but um, they can hit and they can catch. So that's that's not bad. Are you now joining me as believing in the twenty and uh, excuse me, the thirty-two and seventeen? Baltimore Orioles, the 32-17 and 17 Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Meanwhile, the Phillies' 10-game road trip started badly last night. Philadelphia did rally from a three-run deficit in Thursday night's game, but Atlanta broke a 5-5 deadlock with three in the bottom of the eighth inning in the eventual 8-5 victory. Is there hope for the Phillies to turn it around like they did last season? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. (laughs) 
All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Red Sox update. Lots going on with the Red Sox, even in the last few days. A few uh, moves, uh, a demotion in the starting rotation. There, it looks like they're going to activate one of their best or you know, projected best starting pitchers this weekend here against Di- the Diamondbacks over the weekend. We'll get to all that and more with Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. And once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. And also we'll get to some local roundup, top by more on the Diamondbacks and Red Sox weekend series at Chase Field. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Red Sox West Coast trip continues with three games this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Out to the KUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. And Chris, good to have you on the show. And the Red Sox, they're in the American League East, so that means they're above 500 because everybody's above 500. Red Sox 26 and 24. How would you describe the first 50 games of the season for Boston? Yeah, I mean, somewhat of a, a roller coaster. There's obviously been ups and downs. I think generally they've been competitive. They showed a lot of fight. Um, you know, they showed they are a team that is going to, you know, on most nights give you a battle. I mean, it's not, um, you know, that they're obviously lost four in a row, and that's happened a couple times. But they've had also winning streaks of eight, and you know, they've played some good teams, had some big sweeps at home, and you know, I think it's a team that you know they're going to be kind of in the competition for that, you know, second, third wild card spot. Fortunately for them in that division, it means just a place right now with all those teams ahead of them, you know, playing super well. So I think they're about right where we thought they'd be. I think it's, you know, even more impressive considering how hurt they've been throughout the year. You know, Adam Duvall was the hottest hitter in baseball for the first week and then broke his wrist. You know, they didn't have James Paxton for the first six weeks. Um, you know, they haven't gotten anything out of Trevor Story, Adalberto Mondesi, and had some other guys, Yu Chang, go down and. Cutter Crawford was on the IL. Garrett Whitlock, who pitched pitch tomorrow, has been on the IL twice. So, you know, they've had a lot of guys go down. They haven't really been at full strength yet, and they've been able to tread water and, you know, beat two games above 500, which I think is a testament to the fight. Um, but that being said, again, and that's vision with those teams ahead of them, uh, it's resulting in a fifth place uh, showing right now. But uh, in, in the whole American League as a whole, that's, you know, uh, fifth place in the division means that you know with that division that you're going to be able to compete for a wild card spot. So kind of depends on how you look at it. I think generally a positive start for them. You know, they're coming into this series having lost four in a row, um, which you know, dampens things a little bit. But they're looking to get back on track. How much of this success is Alex Cora? You know, obviously, you know Alex has had a uh, a big hand in this. I think you know he's been viewed as one of the better managers in the game since he, you know, cheating aside since he took over in 2018 here and won the World Series his first year. I think the way that they're doing it, um, it's not the same lineup every year, and there have been a lot of adjustments that have been made 
Um, you know, they started with Raphael Devers hitting second, Masataki Yoshida hitting fourth. They swapped those guys. You know, they that seemed to have helped. You know, there's platooning that goes on on a daily basis. And, you know, Alex really had to manage the middle of the field kind of, you know, not just plan A, B, C, but really D, E, and F. I mean, this is a team that, you know, went into the offseason hoping they'd have Xander Bogart's back at short and Christian Arroyo at second, Kike Hernandez in center. Um, and that really has obviously didn't happen. Bogart ends up leaving, Trevor Story, uh, you know, as, as a, an option. Um, was going to be the shortstop. He gets hurt as elbow surgery, and they move Kike to short. They have, you know, their Duval in center. All of a sudden, Duval gets hurt. Now, Darren Duran's in center, and Yu Chang's at short, and Kike's at second. And, they, you know, they're cutting guys basically from minor league trades. Pablo Reyes, the guy they got from the A's, you know, plug him in, and he plays second. And Manuel Valdez, the kid they called up from AAA to make his debut, has been playing well at second. So, I mean, they're cycling through a lot of options in the middle of the field. Core is, you know, dealing with guys that really I mean, he probably had very little familiarity with, obviously. You know, you get a guy in a minor league deal like Pablo Reyes, and all of a sudden he's in your lineup the next day. Probably not ideal, but Cora's did a good job kind of managing and finagling those guys and putting them in the right spots, and the offense has really been, you know, pretty good throughout the season. So he does deserve some credit. The Red Sox on this current trip, uh, they won the first two games of San Diego, but then they lost the last game of that series. They were just got swept in Anaheim. You mentioned uh, they've had a couple of losing streaks is this current four-game losing streak reason for concern or no big deal? I mean, the offense has gone quiet, and that happens throughout the season. We've seen it with Team B, a team that grinds at bats, and the offense has generally been pretty good. So for me, I don't think it's the biggest concern. I think you're just looking at a lot of guys slumping you know, at the wrong time altogether. Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, uh, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, some of those guys. Tristan Costas has been in the slump the entirety of the season. So, you know, it happens. I think uh, you know they've gotten generally good pitching performances throughout the week, which has not been the case throughout the season. Tanner House earned a rotation spot over Corey Kluber with a good outing in Anaheim in a game they lost. Brian Bayo pitched well in Anaheim in a game they lost. They gave Paxton Crisdale, who we'll see tonight, uh, have pitched pretty well of late. So, you know, I think that this is, again, a team that, you know, is going to hit. Uh, every team kind of hits these slides throughout the season. I think they're, you know, pretty happy they're going to be missing Zach Allen out in Arizona and um, and hopefully, you can get back on track against the other guys we're facing. The Red Sox—they've got the fifth most runs in baseball. Are you surprised the offense has been this good? Uh, you mentioned uh, grinding at bats, uh, and you know what else do they excel at? Do you think? Yeah, you know, a lot of grinding at bats, making the pitcher work, uh, getting on base. You know, last year I think they kind of saw their offense as an offense that. Um, you know, when it was going bad, it went. It kind of got contagious quickly. You know, a lot of empty at bats, and a lot of guys who, you know, struck out at a high clip, and you know, a lot of one, two, three quick innings. And now, you know, they have a lot of guys that, um, you know, they don't strike out much to get on base. I mean, Masataki Yoshida, I think he struck out and, and walked the same amount of time, seventeen or eighteen right. times throughout the season. Justin Turner, you know, has done that in the past, and is a guy that, you know, even if his OPS and his numbers aren't crazy that he's, you know, a guy that grinds at bats. He's a professional at bat. Christian Costas hasn't hit at all this year, but he works at bats, works the count. Um, you know, they were pleased with what they got from Duval, And then a couple of guys have really stepped up, a couple of guys that were you know, much maligned over the last couple of years. Alex Verdugo, you know, I know he's slumping here, but he's one of the hottest hitters in baseball for the first month or five or six weeks. Jaron Duran, you know, for the first month, he was up in the majors and hitting like 375. Um, he's been slumping as of late. They get contributions from those guys. And, you know, even a guy like Valdez or Connor Wong or Reese McGuire, some of these unheralded guys, like they've gotten, you know, pretty good contributions from. So 
Um, it's a tough lineup. I don't think the pitcher gets any breaks when they're facing them. Um, and that's kind of what the Red Sox, you know, they went into the offseason trying to do two things, add guys that could grind the pass and get on base, and on the pitching side, guys that can throw strikes. And I feel like they've accomplished that so far. Okay, let's get into some of these, uh, you know, the offensive guys here. Rafael Devers got productive numbers, 13 homers and 44 runs bad in, hitting 249. What's up with the batting average? Yeah, this is kind of the floor for Rafi, I think. You know, um, obviously, he was, I think, leading the American League in homers. The power has been there, but, you know, he's he's been a little off, I would say, throughout the season. He told us last week. He just doesn't feel like he hasn't gotten hot yet. He hasn't been right at the plate, you know, and that kind of shows you. For this guy, the floor, you know, the worst-case scenario is, you know, an eight-something OPS with, you know, a league-leading homer. So that's going to happen at some point. You know, there's going to be a point in the season where he, you know, is getting three or four hits a game for a week, and, and all those numbers are going to even out. You know, there is something to be said about, you know, our team pitching him differently now that he's the featured attraction in the lineup. No offense to Justin mm. Turner and Yoshida and all these guys, Duvall, Verdugo, whatever, but – uh, Duran, like, you know, they, they don't have the cachet that Bogart and J.D. Martinez and for a time Mookie Betts did in the lineup where Devers is kind of, you know, you couldn't, you, you couldn't, uh, you didn't have to pitch around Devers back then. You know, now you kind of do. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to get hot at some point. Still, the numbers are not bad. It's not a bad year by any means. But in his words, he hasn't gotten hot quite yet. Yoshida hitting 299, as you mentioned, the same number of walks and strikeouts. What, what's your evaluation of him in his first year in the major leagues? Yeah, it was, you know, after that's, all those numbers come with, you know, two or three weeks of not hitting at all. You know, I think he dipped below 200 uh, it's mid-April, about three weeks into the season. And then they went on a road trip to Milwaukee and Baltimore, and he took off. You know, this is a guy that, you know, sprays the ball over the field, obviously makes contact with a ridiculous clip, doesn't strike out, gets on base, he's flash power, too. You know, for a guy with his frame, I think, you know, that's been surprising. They think he's, you know, good for 20, 25 homers throughout the year. He's been uh, everything they really expected him to be and more, I think. When you look at the 300 average, the power, the OPS, um, he's not been a disaster in left field, as many would have thought he would have been before the season. And, you know, he's the, the heavy favorite for the rookie of the year in the AL. So um, it's a very important player for Bloom. It's a guy that he, you know, went out and was super aggressive on trying to get the first day he was posted, five years, $90 million, and so far so good. Yeah, you mentioned Verdugo as an Arizona background. What 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 has he brought to the organization? Uh, you know, I think this year uh, we saw it in 2020 when he first came over in that shortened season. He was probably the Red Sox best player uh, on that team. Though that team was so bad that I was also in the running for their best player that year. Um, over the last two years, he's regressed kind of across the board. And um, Alex Cora, at the end of last season, I was the one that asked the question the last day. Alex, is there anybody on the team that you want to take a step forward in 2023? Before I was even done, he said, yeah, Verdugo. You know, we need Verdugo to be a lot better. They challenged him to be better with his conditioning, with everything, his routines, all that type of stuff, his approach. And Verdugo, who is never shy and will always tell you exactly how he feels, you know, he said, told me in spring training, he was really pissed off about the whole thing. And he decided to go home and try to prove Alex Cora wrong or, I guess, prove him right that he was, you know, capable of doing these things. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, believe it or not, Henley Jansen told me in spring training, this guy has the talent to be a Hall of Famer. He has that much God-given ability. If he can stay healthy and, and do the right things and commit to it and, and, you know, have the work ethic, he could be, you know, one of the better players in the majors. And they challenged him with that. He was really good during spring training. They challenged him to take over the leadoff spot, and he has been, you know, other than a little slump here the last couple of weeks. 
their best, you know, offensive consistent producer other than Yoshida. So um, they're very pleased with that. You know, they're very pleased with kind of the maturity that he's shown in year four. I think they probably would have, you know, liked it to happen maybe a little bit earlier, but they're in this boat now. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, with a good year this year and a good year next year could get really paid on the free agent market. And, you know, there's a lot riding on him too because he was, you know, and by all accounts, the centerpiece of what they got from Mookie Betts. And the other piece of that, you know, Jeter Downs is no longer with the organization. Connor Wong is, you know, obviously doing well behind the plate. So um, they're making that return look a little bit better. I'm afraid that, you know, Red Sox fans are still irritated about three years later. The offense, you mentioned, uh, you know, Story and Mondesi and Duvall, they're all on the 60-day injured list right now. Any prognosis as as to when they might return? And and how do they fit in when they come back, especially Story? Duvall is targeting to come back to June 9th, so two weeks from today. That's the day he can come off the 60. He feels good. Talked with him at Fenway the other day. Story, not around the team. You know, it's a very long rehab process, basically – you know, a, a variant of Tommy John that he had in January. So it's not something that, you know, they're going to rush. I think he's just getting back to throwing and hitting. So my expectation on him has always been maybe sometime around August 1st. Um, and then, you know, the thing with uh, Adalberto Mondesi has been very strange. The guy they acquired in an offseason trade for Josh Taylor, he has not progressed at all from an ACL tear that he suffered last year in, in late April with the Royals. He has not gotten close to game action. He's in extended spring training, and I guess, you know, the pain tolerance is, is, has not been good. So, you know, at this point, you know, he's he's kind of a lost, forgotten man. I think Story, you know, when he comes back, is going to be the starting shortstop. Uh, they'd probably like to move T.K. Hernandez to second base in that scenario. The real question mark comes to center field, you know, Adam Duvall, when he comes back, how do they, you know, mix him in with Darren Durant, who's been one of the better hitters in baseball for the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, they follow that under a good problem to have. But still, you can't play, you know, six outfielders a day, and they have, Many capable guys. You see them left, Duvall and Duran in center, Verdugo and right, and even you know guys like Rival Tapia and Rob Repsnyder have had good seasons too. So uh, not an easy problem for Alex Gore, but one I think he's going to be happy to have. Chris Sale, uh, unfortunately, often injured with Boston, but he's certainly been impressive of late. Uh, what do you expect from him? And uh, you know, I guess including tonight in the series opener against the Diamondbacks. He has been uh, really good, and I think it's just kind of one of those things where – you know, as Alex Cora and whoever, anybody else around the organization pointed out, this is a guy that really didn't pitch for three years. You know, he missed all of 2020 as he had Tommy John, missed most of 21, came back in August. And we've seen time and time again when guys come back from Tommy John, they're not at 100% when they're first, you know, making those starts. He did that down the stretch. And, look, he was a guy that was not at full velocity and was not, you know, did not look like himself and still, you know, pitched to a three ERA or a two-something ERA down the stretch. Got lit up in the playoffs, came into 2022 with big expectations, and really three freak accidents, you know, ruined his whole season. He snapped a rib throwing a pitch before the season in a private workout, got sidelined him until July, came back, pitched well in his first start, and the first inning of his second outing, a comebacker basically took his pinky off and broke it on his pitching hand. That sidelined him for a couple more months, and as he was getting close at the end of that rehab, he went over the handlebars of his bike and broke his wrist. And so that's three, you know, freak, freak, you know, bone breaks over the course of, um, you know, five, six months that <clears throat> limited him to five innings last year. You know, the thing that I thought heading into the season was these aren't like structural, you know, shoulder things that are going to be with him for a while. Like these theoretically are bones that are going to heal and he's going to be fine. And 
You know, it took a couple starts to get his feet under him, get the command, get the feel for pitching in the majors back, but he has. You know, he's looked like an ace. You know, starts against the Cardinals and uh, um, at home and, and kind of the, um, you know, the last week we've seen San Diego. So, you know, he's, he's really, um, you know, looking like a number one again. I think that exceeds expectations for a lot of Red Sox fans. Paxton, I had completely forgotten about Paxton. Uh, you know, he's been back for a handful of starts, a little less than a handful of starts. What have you seen for him so far? Yeah, the other guy has been pretty impressive. He only lasted three innings uh, two nights ago in Anaheim. Uh, that's you know going to happen, obviously. But you now he came back, and you know the velocity. I think after really three years down, twenty twenty one, he uh, <clears throat> he twenty twenty barely pitched twenty twenty one. Blew out his UCL in his first start. Missed all of last year with you know rehab setbacks with the Red Sox. So um, made his debut a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals. He's now made three starts. He's you know pumping 96, 97 from the left side at 34 years old. You know they're very pleased with that. It's a different look, and, and you know it says a lot. I think about you know how they feel about Paxton, how they feel about the stuff and the potential. They've had to make difficult rotation decisions here. You know, Corey Kluber and Nick Pavetta, two guys that. You know, Pavetta led the team in starts last year and led the team in innings and has taken the ball every five days over the course of a few years now. And Clooper's a guy that, you know, in December they signed to a $10 million deal as they're really their only rotation reinforcement. And, you know, they, they've liked what they've seen from Clu- uh, from Paxton so much that both of those guys are moved to the bullpen. So I think, you know, that's pretty telling. Uh, he's healthy and he's been, you know, contributing. So I think they're, they're pleased with that. You know, uh, this is a pitching staff with a lot of risks and a lot of upside. You know, you look at a guy like you know, Paxton kind of in the same boat as Sale and the same boat as Kluber, you know, formerly among the best pitchers in baseball, now on the backside of their career with injury concerns. And then, you know, some younger guys in Bayo and Whitlock and House who have been really good too. So um, they have depth. I think they're you know, now getting to a point where they're figuring out the five-man group they want to move forward with, and, and we'll see the start of that this weekend. Okay, I was going to ask you about Kluber next. Uh, out of the rotation now, any hope for him, or is he just maybe done? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch the first you know nine starts of the year starting on opening day. Now, this is a guy that you know looking at kind of the striking stats yesterday. He had 18 walk or 21 walks last year and 164 innings with Tampa Bay, um, the lowest walk per nine rate in baseball. You know, obviously minuscule, uh, and you know again 21 walks and 164 innings, and through 44 innings this year he has 18 walks. So. He's almost at his total for the entirety of last year. He just has not been able to locate. You know, the Red Sox have been generally non-competitive in most of his starts. I think they're three and six in his outing. You know, he was. They, they kind of uh, made a big. You know, it was not the biggest deal you're ever going to see with one year for ten million. But you know, they they signed him over. You know, re-signing Evaldi, which they wanted to do, or signing some of these other starters, and it just didn't work out. So, you know, they think he can be a guy that uh, contributes out of the bullpen. They now have four long relievers out there and, and him, Nick Pavetta, Josh Winkowski, who's been excellent, and Cutter Crawford. Um, you know, and, and they have built in depth. Something happens to somebody in the starting five and we know it will because it always happens and these guys are injury prone guys anyway. You know, you do have some guys that you can come up and, and have done it before. But, you know, Cooper hasn't pitched out of the bullpen since twenty thirteen. So um, it's not like this is a guy that's very familiar with it. It'll be interesting to see. You know, apparently he handled it very professionally and understands he didn't get the job done. But um, definitely, I would say you know him and him and probably Tristan Koss is the most disappointing members of the Red Sox so far on a team that generally has exceeded expectations. 
Whitlock uh, scheduled to come off the injured list this weekend. W- what should we look for from uh, from Whitlock uh, against the Diamondbacks? Yeah, he's you know a guy that the Red Sox have obviously used out of the bullpen primarily over his first two seasons, the Rule Five pick in 2021 that um, just came in and had an unbelievable rookie season as a Rule Five guy as a multi-inning, you know, at times low leverage reliever, and by the end of the season when they were in the playoff hunt, a high leverage reliever, you know, getting saves and fishing in the back end there. Last year they tried, you know, they started him in the bullpen, had to move him to the rotation, moved him back to the bullpen, and he ended up getting hurt. This year they just said, you know, we want this guy to start. We envision this guy being a starter for us long term. And he's kind of learning kind of on the fly in the majors on how to start. There's some really good outings. There's some bad ones. Um, you know, I think he's kind of, unfortunately for himself, fortunately and unfortunately, has set a bar for himself where he did not give up any hits or any runs, basically, as a reliever. I mean, he was so lights out striking everybody out in those short sample sizes that, you know, fan, when fans see him give up, you know, three runs over six innings, they're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Garrett Whitlock? And Alex Gore always says, no, relax. He's human. This happens. He's still, you know, a quality major league pitcher. He's ended up, you know, getting hurt <clears throat> this year. Uh, he had elbow neuritis, which kind of a tingling sensation toward the end of April. That's cleared up, and he'll be back. But I think they wanted to use his change up more and, and use it more effectively, and, and we'll see tomorrow. Um now he's a big piece of this moving forward. They signed him to an extension after his rookie year. He's a guy who, you know, has um, really been kind of, you know, one of their most important players over the last couple of years and come out of nowhere and one of Bloom's, you know, greatest finds. So, um, you know, they, they have a lot of expectation for him in their rotation as well. And again, it says a lot that they're keeping Whitlock and House, two guys who have been really good relievers early in their careers in the rotation over these guys like Kluber and Pavetta, you know, just speaks to the belief in them. Last up, I appreciate the extended time here. I got to ask about Kenley Jansen. Obviously, uh, you know, we've seen plenty of him uh, his right. days with the Dodgers. How would you evaluate the first rough, roughly the first two months of his Red Sox days? Um, to be honest with you, you know, just as a not knowing much about him, obviously knowing who he was from the LA days, knowing how dominant he was, but never interacting with him. I didn't know much about him as a person, but he is. Um, from a coverage perspective and just from a human perspective, perhaps the nicest and uh, friendliest and uh, has the best mood of any player I've ever seen come through the Red Sox clubhouse. And I think that that wow. has really you know, rubbed off on everybody. He has been, you know, the leader of the pitching staff, one of the leaders of the team. And it's been, you know, from that perspective, I think, you know, paid off greatly. The first, you know, month, month and a half, he was absolutely dominant. Uh, he was, Velocity was up, better location was on point, all that type of stuff. And he was perfect in save opportunities. He had, you know, one wonky weekend against the Cardinals that inflated all of his numbers, where lost his command a little bit, got all screwed up by Wilson Contreras, screwing with the pitch clock, and um, ended yeah. up, you know, blowing saves on back-to-back days. So generally, he's been lights out and dominant. The Red Sox haven't had a guy like this really since 2018 with Craig Kimbrell. Alex Ford is very pleased to have Ganson in the back of the bullpen, but off the field to everything you could ask for and more. And I think it's a guy that, you know, has embraced Boston and loves it so far. And, um, you know, if he's not an all-star, I'll be surprised. Glad I asked about him. All right. Good deal, Chris. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Thanks. Have fun. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Chris, Chris Tillo of uh, BassLive.com, read all his work and uh, so forth. So uh, good stuff there. Like I said, I'm glad I asked about Jansen. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him in the past and people that have covered the Diamondbacks and the opposing club, clubhouse here in the past always have, have spoken highly of Jansen. So 
Not that surprised, but uh, our ringing recommendation about Jansen there. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, uh, we'll get to the day's local roundup. It is, uh, as I mentioned, general discussion in the next uh, segment, 602-260-1060. we got time and room. And uh, we'll get to a little more on the Diamondbacks and the Red Sox in the next segment, depending on phone call volume. So 602-260-1060. Don't forget the extra point. Coming up uh, between 10 and noon, hosted by Kayla. That will include, among other things, a uh, uh, Indianapolis 500 uh, preview uh, for the weekend with uh, Kayla running the show there. And uh, I used to actually, way back in the day, I mean, way back in my high school days, so that's in the 70s. I used to, like, remember sitting in my parents' pool and, uh, like, listening to the race on radio because it wasn't on live TV in those days and, like, charting the rate drivers and so forth. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. I know it's been kind of an uneven week for us, but we are here today if you want to get in. Uh, 602-260-1060, general discussion. Also, we'll have uh, more phone call time in the next couple hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. All right, on to the local roundup we go. A little more on the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks. The 29 and 29, 29 and 21 Diamondbacks host the 26 and 24 Red Sox this weekend. The probable starting pitchers, Chris Sale tonight, four and two with a 501 earned run average. That's a very misleading earned run average. He's been really good lately. Uh, his whip is 117. That's like more. More, uh, you know, I think that illustrates better how well he has pitched later than the uh, higher run average. He also got 62 strikeouts for the season. Brandon Fott, I think this is an interesting game for him. He was better in the last game, but uh, the bullpen did not come through for him. Uh, he was not obviously good the first couple of starts. He is 0 and 1 with a 765 earned run average. His whip is a pretty close to an unacceptable 1.55. Then he only has 14 strikeouts uh, thus far. I expected a little bit more swing and miss from Fott, so we'll see how that goes. But this is a good Red Sox lineup, so I think it's a good test for him. Tomorrow night, as we just mentioned in the last segment with Chris, Garrett Whitlock scheduled to come off the injured list. You know, he is 1-1. One one. Don't pay attention to the 619 or run average. The Diamondbacks are listing TBD. This could be a Kyle Davies start coming off the uh, injured list. It's uh, you know, actually rest-wise, it's a Merrill Kelly day, but they've moved him back to Sunday uh, against Tanner Houck, who has been pretty good for the Red Sox, 3-3, three and three, 499 earned run average. He's got a couple of not good starts, but a couple of very good starts, including an impressive outing earlier this week in a game that they lost, but not because of him. I believe he gave up one run in like six or seven innings in the game that they uh, set the uh, – Tuesday game? Tuesday game at Anaheim. Diamond, Diamondbacks 14-10 and 10 at home. Uh, they are now fourth in team on base percentage in the National League. Uh, the Red Sox are 11-13 and 13 on the road, but they've lost four straight on the road. Uh, they've been a very good offensive team. 
they're sixth best in target batting average in, uh, in Major League Baseball at 262. So we'll see how that goes. Last 10 games, Diamondbacks 7-3. and three. Red Sox 4-6. and six. Obviously a four-game losing streak. That'll put a little... Uh, put a little damper into that. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, I'm surprised, they sent Dominic Fletcher back to AAA. They recalled Jake McCarthy. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. Fletcher, to me, more impressive what I've seen this year out of him than I was McCarthy last season when he was supposedly a breakout performer. I didn't quite buy that last year. But uh, Fletcher back to uh, AAA and McCarthy recalled. Maybe McCarthy can do something here before the trade deadline, which is roughly two months away. And maybe, you know, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the week, that they need to trade at least one outfielder, in my opinion. They've got a bunch of them, and they need pitching in return for whatever they trade. So maybe if McCarthy does something here soon, they can maybe move him for a pitcher. Most likely, I'm thinking a relief pitcher for him, but... That's kind of what the market's going to be, too, most likely. All right, as far as the standings go in the National League West, the Dodgers have 20 losses, the Diamondbacks have 21 losses, San Francisco at 25, San Diego 27 losses, and then Colorado at 29 losses. All right, on to the phone lines we go, and uh, we go to, I forgot where I'm going, Kayla, where am I going? Alan Phoenix, hi, Al. Hi Bob. I was. Uh, do you still read AC Central often? Um, uh, yes, yeah, some. I saw they had a poll where they were ranking NFL head coaches, and Jonathan Gannon was ranked as the worst. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, well, it's kind of unfair to have a first. You know, a guy who hasn't even coached yeah. yet. But in an odd way, it's kind of appropriate because the team he has really has no chance for winning anyway. So I don't know. You know. I think that's. I think that's. You know. I think that's unfair is a good word. I think it's also reflective on they have the worst roster in the NFL, and I don't think there's too many people who disagree with that right now. So I think it's uh, more based on that than yeah, you know, what his actual coaching ability is, and because we don't know as a head coach, no clue. Yeah. Then how disappointed are you in the Padres? I can't remember if you had them in – I don't know if you had them in the World oh, Series. Oh, no, I had them win. I had them win the division. I didn't have them in the, the World Series, but I had them win the division. And, yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest surprise is how bad they are offensively. Um, they've got uh, many yeah. lineup holes. This is something we talked about with Scott Miller uh, during the Wednesday Sports Zone, and you know, Scott's covered the Padres – uh, over the years, um, and he's very familiar with them. He was at the weekend, some of the weekend series, the Padres and the Red Sox last weekend. They're last in baseball, last. And with uh, at least he, what they, they were as of Wednesday. I don't know if this has changed. They actually had a, like an offensive explosion the other day. But they're last in baseball with runners in scoring position. They're atrocious, and they've got a lot of holes in their lineup. It's not like uh, – yeah, they've had a couple guys slump, obviously, but you know, they, I'm very surprised how bad they are offensively. Musgrove has not been good. He's had plenty of time to get back from the injury now, and he hasn't figured it out yet. So now, I actually thought before the season that they'd probably have to add a starting pitcher or two and some bullpen help, uh, but now, I mean, they've got to get some bats. Uh, that's actually, you know, they've been so bad offensively that that's kind of uh, – completely overrides uh you know their 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 supposed pitching you know weaknesses are they still loaded with talent at the minor league levels or no no they've gutted the the minor league system is long gutted i mean Ah. a lot of them are in washington 
You know, they made a lot of trades the last two or three years. They gave up a lot of their top prospects. All right. And then lastly, do you think that the, the are the Heat headed for an epic failure? Nah. They're going to win Saturday night. All right. Yeah. That's, we'll get, yeah, we'll get, get, we'll get in. We'll get into that a lot more um, in the uh, during the extra point, I'm sure. But uh, no, they're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be the first of 150 to you know, go zero three and lose the series. Oh, one last actually, their case. Followed... Oh, their case three and zero. <laughs> so, have you followed any of the U of A recruiting news in basketball or? Uh... Not really. The guy from San Diego State can play. If they get Caleb yeah, Love, they're. They're adding a cancer to their program, according to many. Uh, you know, he was a uh, one of the most. He, he might have been the most selfish player in college basketball last season in North Carolina. He obviously had a lot to do with their surprising run uh, to the Final Four two years ago. But you know, there were players in North Carolina, his former you know now teammates, that wanted no part of him, and that's you know they didn't want him back. And uh, the NBA doesn't want him right now either. They don't think he's good enough. So. If they get Caleb Love, I would think that would that would be a hindrance. I think that's uh, taking a step backwards as far as I'm concerned regarding the U of A basketball program. All right, we'll wrap it up in the sports zone. Stay tuned. The National Roundup's coming up next right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. It's time for today's National Roundup. Final second of today's sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. From the uh, from the NBA, he tried to say, it's three letters, Bob, NBA postseason scoreboard. The Celtics will play at least one more game. Derek White, 24 points, including six three-pointers. The Celtics dominated the Heat 110-97 in game five to extend the Eastern Conference Finals. Marcus Smart, 23 points, 5 steals. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, 21 points apiece. So they had four guys with at least 20 points in this game as the Celtics claim their second straight win. And uh, they're now, uh, I think this was a four games or three games that they've elimination games that they've now won. Four. Uh, two in the last series and two in this series. So good for them. Uh, but I think they're done on Saturday night. Uh, so we'll see if... Uh, yeah, if they uh, become the first team ever out of 150 now that have gone down 0-3 in the playoffs and actually won a best-of-seven series. And the uh, betting public is on them. Uh, they like them on, uh, on Saturday night, however. Uh, now, the Celtics, remember, Game 3 of Miami, they were favored. Then when they got run off the floor, Miami was favored in Game 4. But now in Game 6 in Miami, the Celtics opened a three-point favorite in most locations, I actually see uh, you know actually a couple two and a halfs and a couple of three and a half. So uh, good two way action, I guess, depending on what casino you're dealing with. Total in the game for Saturday night open two twelve and a half down to two eleven. 
All right, baseball. The Orioles won the last two nights at Yankee Stadium. Kyle Gibson, who I've been bashing on this show for weeks, uh, not because I think he's an okay pitcher, but he's the number one ace guy for Baltimore. Well, last night he pitched like an ace. He allowed two hits over seven scoreless innings, and the Orioles won a Yankee Stadium 3-1. to one. Against the uh, against the Yankees, and they win two out of three in that particular series. The Broy, the Braves spoiled the Phillies' uh, comeback. Yeah, Austin Riley uh, had a couple of you know big time home runs, but Travis Darno is the guy that came through a tie breaking two run single in the eighth inning. This is after the uh, the Bra- the Phillies, excuse me, had rallied from an early deficit. Uh, Darno was actually pinch hitting for the. Uh, Really bad so far this year. Michael Harris the second. There's actually some talk that Michael Harris the second might get sent back to the minor leagues. But uh, Darno, you pinch hit for Harris with the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning, and he uh, delivered a one-out single that scored two, and then uh, Matt Olson uh, followed that up with a sacrifice fly. So the Braves win that uh, game last night. This is the first their first meeting between the, the Phillies and the Braves since they played in the National League Division Series last year. That's when the Braves pretty much short on pitching, but uh, the Phillies scored that upset victory in that series, and then they went off to the World Series, and unfortunately for the Phillies, they lost to the Houston Astros. All right, Diamondbacks tonight against the Red Sox, as we mentioned uh, earlier. It's uh, Chris Sale against Brandon Fott. And Chris Sale and the Red Sox, a 140, roughly 7-5 to five favorite in tonight's game against the Diamondbacks. And Fott total in that game sitting at 8.5. All right, stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Caleb. That included the Indy 500 preview. And also more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks very much for listening.